Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Hello, my friends. I want to welcome you to a part one of a two-part interview series that is going to blow your mind. If you are interested at all in the pelvic floor connection with the vocal area, this is something that's starting to be kind of talked about a lot in my circle, my pelvic health circle. I feel like it wasn't really touched so much and it's starting to be touched more and more. The fact that there is an amazing connection between the vocal area and the pelvic floor. And so in this two-part interview series with Kristen Cronister, you're going to learn all sorts of amazing things about not only, you know, the physical kind of exercise aspect and the physical and anatomical connections between the vocal area and the pelvic floor, but also a lot about the emotional impact about finding and using your voice. So I'm going to let you just explore and get into this. Please check the show notes if you're at all curious about learning more about Kristen's work and her website. And also, do check the show notes if you're interested in learning more about some of the things that are going on in Femme Fusion land these days. So <laughs> this is sort of off topic of vocalization and the vocal area, but I have in my brand new lift program, my updated and revised lift program, which is an amazing program for pelvic organ support. So prolapse support, also support for people with bladder leakage. It just is launching right now. It's relaunching, so you can get the updated, upgraded program. It's ready for you, and it's really all about exercise and lifestyle. And even in the lift program, I do touch on this idea of vocalization and the vocal pelvic floor connection just a little bit. But if you want even more, then you're going to love listening to today's interview. So point is, check the show notes if you're curious about just what's new in Femfusion land. Also, if you become curious about Kristen and the work she does, check the notes. And without further ado, I'm going to let you tune in. This is such a great interview. Part one of my two-part series about the vocal pelvic floor connection. All right. Hello, everybody. This guest has such a, a like incredibly special place in my heart because I know her on a uh, professional level and definitely a personal level as well. She is Kristen Cronister, and we're going to be talking about finding your voice today and the connection between the vocal area and the pelvic floor and really all sorts of interesting tangents. So Kristen, can you just say hi really quickly before I dive in a little bit deeper to who you are? Sure. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on, Brie. Yay. Yes. I'm so glad to have you here. And yeah, so Kristen is actually one of my clients. We've worked together in my Transcend program and she and I got to know each other very well over the last uh, three months with our work in Transcend. And I discovered that Kristen is a trained opera singer. She has, gosh, I'm going to get this wrong, but 10, 10 years of experience in vocal training, uh, three degrees in vocal areas as far as definitely being, being an expert in vocal and voice performance. And she also has the experience of dealing with surgery to the vocal area, plus 
She has the experience of having pelvic health issues. So all of that combined, really, when, when Kristen came on board to my Transcend program, she really kicked off some of our more intimate private coaching together. We have a group, uh, Voxer, which is kind of like a little app where you can leave voice notes for each other. And everyone was introducing themselves. And Kristen kind of popped on and just really set the scene by talking about the vocal cords and the voice. And another, another couple of gals in the group too were talking about the voice and the importance of the voice and the pelvic floor and was there a connection. And we really kicked off our entire coaching experience talking about the voice. It was so fascinating to me to see how that evolved. And now today we're talking about it here on the podcast. So I'm just so happy with how this has transpired. We've gotten so much out of really bringing the voice into our work as far as reclaiming our pelvic health, just making our pelvic health brilliant and using our voice along with it. And so I want to really dive in with that with you today, Kristen. Let's kick off with a question I have for you, which is you really early on talked about the color of your voice. You brought that up in some of our conversations about the color of your voice. Can you kick us off with what that even means and maybe even tie it into why finding your voice is so important when it comes to health in general? Absolutely. So the color of the voice is, it's it's a term that we use in the industry, I'll say, um, especially when you're learning how to sing, is to, to access as many colors in your voice as you possibly can, right? So classical singing, and I use this, I want to kind of blank in statement, almost all of my experiences with classical singing, opera singing in particular, um, we don't use microphones. We sing over 60 to 100 piece orchestras and to you know thousands of people uh, in a very large hall. Um, so we have a very functional understanding of how to be efficient and athletic with our, with our singing. But that can be, that can be really cool to hear very powerful voices and very strong um, rooted voices or very high and floaty voices. But what it really comes down to is that singing is an art. So when we're learning to sing, we're really trying to learn how to access parts of our soul that we can we can experience for other people and we can we can let that be a window into who we are or in case of singing on stage who the character is what are the colors of that person that that character that you're playing so we learned this early on um, partly because it's functional for singing and performing to access these 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 various colors so that the audience can have a more varied experience, right? You hear music sometimes and it's just, it can overwhelm you. Um, and the behind the scenes on that is a lot of personal work and a lot of, and for some people it's magically very easy. And for others, it, it's a lot of self-discovery. Yes. So colors in your voice and finding the color of your voice is sort of an inherent trait to being a well-versed singer. And that's where I come from on the idea of the color of the voice, but where I think it really translates to regular life and to daily life, even if you're not singing, is that we all have colors in our voice or a color of our voice just by speaking, just by crying or laughing or 
grunting or, you know, off the, off the cuff, like, hmm, yeah. those sorts of vocalizations have a color. Um, whether or not you see it or feel it, mm-hmm. it's there. Um, and it's a self-expression that if you take away the idea of that color, mm-hmm. it becomes very boring. And I don't want to say boring as in it becomes two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. It becomes just a sound frequency. But when you associate a color to it, it can really kind of invigorate it and make it make it feel a little bit more um, justified by the human experience. It's so interesting. So as you're talking, it's reminding me of stage makeup and costumes and kind of like enhancing the character through these through these aspects like makeup or costumes or clothing, et cetera. It's just a way of enhancing the expression of the character. So it's okay. I I think I'm understanding that now. So when you, I have to ask you when you first listen to my voice, what's the color of my voice? (laughs) I've never asked you this. No, I'm so glad you asked because what I love about your voice is that it's very light and yet very clear, like very clear and sweet without, without, um, it's free. Mm. so in a way right and and I hear other voices they sound more grounded and they sound more um rooted if you Mm -hmm. will yeah and your voice feels in 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 a a teacher I had used to say and this is the perfect the voice should ride the breath so imagine if you've ever been to um a science museum and you see those tennis balls that sit on a puff of air right? There's a puff there that comes up and the tennis ball just bounces on it. Uh-huh. Your voice makes me think of that. It's this beautiful bounce and lilting on top. And the color that it reminds me of is this kind of a pearly pink. So there's more that goes in it, right? It's not just flat pink. It's got these opal iridescent, but very light and calming and soothing voice. Oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. We've never talked about that. So this was really fun for me to have you explain that or, you know, your your thoughts about my color. Thank you for that. I love the color. And what it makes me realize is that from the beginning, one thing that we noticed in our Transcend Conversations where we were just getting to know each other and kind of, again, kicked off our whole coaching experience with this talk about the voice is that so many women in the group, including myself, have real hangups with our voice and about hearing our voice. It's hard for us to listen to our own voices. It's hard for us to express ourselves and put ourselves out there with our voice. And I think that what what it sounds to me like is honoring the fact that all of us have a different color, a different way of expressing ourselves, a different costume, if you will, that makes us unique and beautiful and we need to learn how to honor that and let it and kind of expand upon that color that we have rather than trying to fit into somebody else's color or rather than trying to hide out and pretend like we have no voice because we do. We all have a beautiful voice that's a different color and we just need to learn how to expand into that. Absolutely. Um, you know, the different colors, I hear your voice as that pearly opalescent pink. Others Mm -hmm. may hear it as something different and it doesn't really matter. What matters is that what I hear is consistent and it's true to you. Um, So 
I also want to just, I think about the voice as a tool. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, it's not established at birth and then you, that's what it is. And you just go through life and that's just how it is. I just don't believe that. I think women in general have a problem speaking up, but also sounding feminine. So in uh, whether it's the business world or in their families, we feel that we will be more powerful or more listened to maybe if we drop our voice and make it deeper mm -hmm. and make it stern and, and more choppy um, that maybe sounds more masculine. And what that ends up doing to me is it, to your point, it's not honoring the true color of the voice that we have. Um, and it's assuming that the people around you prefer to hear it that way. Yeah. And that's not always true. I mean, sometimes my children need a very stern voice. Yeah. And that gets my point across and that's a tool I can use, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not, um, it's not necessary all the time to speak that way in order for them to listen to me. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, knowing that the voice is a tool, you have a certain set of colors, you have a certain feeling when you're speaking, getting into that and then allowing it to expand with you and expand into other kinds of colors that might get you what you need in that moment, I think is really empowering. It's something that women maybe take for granted that this is an inherent power that they already have, um, that they just have to unlock because the people around us really want to hear us speak. Yeah. Um, and I think that gets lost. Women, we, we think, oh, and I, I'm, I'm a victim of this as well. I, I think, okay, well, I should stay quiet about this. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings or I just need to get over it. Or I, you know, it, really what it boils down to is I don't deserve to say what I want to say. Or I don't want to be too much, right? I don't want to be too much. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's fair. And sometimes I do choose to, to be quiet. And I think that's another really, really important lesson that in order to love the sound of your voice, you have to actually listen to it, which means you actually have to probably be quiet with yourself. And, and we can talk a little bit more about that, but also keep in mind the sound of your voice sounds different to you than the people around you. Yeah. So you can record your voice on, I'm sure I'll hear myself on this podcast and go, is that really what I sound like? <laughs> um, and I used to, to fall victim to that as a singer. I recorded every single voice lesson. I got very used to, I mean, this is a typical um, method of learning. You have to hear what you're, what you sound like, because what's happening inside you is not what the others are experiencing. Yeah. So if you're in alignment with yourself and you're really in a good place and you're allowing your voice to flow freely, chances are the people around you will feel more relaxed. They will feel more at home with you because you're at home with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what it comes, it comes down to is this is just a way of your voice is your expression of yourself. And the more you, I guess, just settle into and accept your own expression, like the way you sound and the way you talk and just allow yourself to be that person, whether you're, I'm, I'm an oversharer, I'm an overtalker. I talk a lot and I can fall victim to feeling like being too much or like this and that I feel like my voice is too high pitched, all these things, but I've started to settle into just realizing this is actually just who I am 
take it or leave it. And this is me. And I've, I feel like it's allowed me to just expand. And I love this conversation because it's all about, um, it's all about self-expression and self-love ultimately and self-acceptance. So I, I want to though, bring it into the pelvic floor and pelvic health and your experience, Kristen, such a personal experience with having had surgery here and then having pelvic health issues. And also, you know, just your training in understanding the anatomy between the vocal area and the pelvic floor. There's some really amazing similarities. Can you bring us a little bit more into the body now, a little more into the physical and the connections between the pelvic floor and the vocal area? Absolutely. So, I mean, visually, and I'll start right off. I mean, they look very similar. Yeah. The vocal cords and the vagina. I mean, the only really difference that you can, that I can see is other than the fact that I know the differences. Yeah. Uh, one is a vagina and the other one just looks like one. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> and, and if we're sticking strictly to the vocal cords, right, the vocal folds and the way they function, they operate very, very similarly to the vagina. And I'm not talking about the bladder and the uterus and because we can get into all of that and the, the muscles that support it. But the, the actual visual of the vagina are very similar to the throat because of the, the way they function. They both look the same. They have these kind of openings. Um, they both like to be open and relaxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They both like to be well lubricated Mm -hmm. and they're both gateways to the outside world. And they're both emotional powerhouse centers. As we've been talking about up until now, (laughs) they're both areas of who we are, our identity and our expression, but I'll turn it back over to you now, but I love this. I love this conversation. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the energy centers, and that's a whole, I mean, I, I feel like that could be its own podcast all on, all oh, yeah. on its own, mm-hmm. but the, the functionality of the vocal folds and the vagina, yes, they're very different, but they both, in that obviously you're not birthing a baby out of your throat, mm-hmm. but you do birth creativity. Yeah. And there are these, 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 these functional muscle groups also, you know, and and I don't know as much about the pelvic floor, but the vocal cords, they, they're queens. And I think the vagina probably is too. The vagina is definitely a queen. Absolutely. (laughs) They they like to be there. I imagine them as, you know, that, that visual of Cleopatra being carried around on like a swing and like just feeding her grapes, et cetera. And she's sort of suspended and people just carry her around. That is what the vocal cords want. They want to be suspended and relaxed and allowed to do whatever they need to do. And they're going to completely rely on the muscles around them to support them and to keep them lifted and buoyant and efficient. And I feel like the, the vagina is similar there. It's, it's just held in place so that it can exist Yeah, and, and relax and tense as it needs to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and your, your visual there reminds me of in one of our recent, I keep talking about our transcend program, but I'm, I'm just going to keep talking about it in one of our recent videos that I shared with you all in the group. I talked about the pelvic floor as being like a magic carpet 
And so it's kind of the same, this sort of floating magic carpet that's not weighed down and stuck to the earth. It's not just floating out in space. It's just, it's floating in midair. It's kind of helping carry you and, and move you forward. It's the same idea, this sort of buoyancy, right? Yes. Yeah. I imagine it's also like a hammock. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, and for the vocal cords, the hammock is actually a really, really good example because the vocal cords, in order to function, mm-hmm. they do need to, they, they need to just shift and, and tense and, and lengthen. Mm-hmm. So the, the hammock thing is really good because it is stationary. It's not mm-hmm. moving, mm-hmm. but it is kind of the hammock itself is, is tied to these trees, if you will, and it, and it moves in, in, in its own way. And I think many of the muscle groups in the legs and the trunk um, also do that for the pelvic floor and, um, and for the vagina itself. To me, it's like the, the throat and the, the vocal cords um, and this entire mechanism is sort of the, the, the top. And I, and I know that it also is the top of the breathing mechanism. Yeah. But it is also this, the, you know, the, the bottom of the pelvic floor is th- they work together. Yeah. Um, so they can't, you can't talk about one uh-huh. without, to me, without also talking about the other. Well, you're so right because I mean, I talk about the diaphragm, the breathing diaphragm and the pelvic floor working together as part of the breathing mechanism. But honestly, I just, I'm just not as well versed in the vocal area. So really thinking about that as the very tip top of the breathing mechanism, the diaphragm in the middle and the pelvic floor at the bottom, it really is absolutely all connected. And as we've been talking about this whole time, you don't want the pelvic floor muscles or the diaphragm or the vocal cords to be stuck and tense and rigid and tight. You want all of these various aspects of the breathing mechanism to be supple and able to respond to stimuli. So what happens if the vocal cords, we we know what happens if the pelvic floor muscles get stuck and tense and tight, you get pain. I mean, that's one thing that can happen. There's, There's actually lots of things that can happen, but pain is a very common, issue that happens when you have pelvic floor tension and tightness? What happens when you have vocal cord tension and tightness? What does that do to a person? Well, primarily, I mean, going to the worst extreme, it can cause injury Mm -hmm. to the vocal folds. The vocal folds are very delicate. So while they're very, they can be very powerful. They're also very tiny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And they move so quickly so quickly that in order to watch them actually vibrate, you have to slow them down tremendously to see Mm -hmm. them actually moving. So, and because they're so tiny, if you are overpowering them with tension or pulling or pushing, um, they can be, they can be injured. So that's, I I would say that's like the extreme version. And that, that is what happened to me from overuse um, and improper use of the vocal folds and the muscles around it. If you're tight and tense in your neck, you may also feel the very top back part of here Mm-hmm. Uh, of your head very tight and your neck, jaw, shoulders can also be rigid. Yeah. And what that does to me personally, and I think probably a lot of other women and, and people is pressure downward towards the pelvic floor mm-hmm. because the pelvic floor, I mean, the vocal cords are, if, if, if I, they're the, they're the princess, right? Like they don't actually absorb the tension 
that the pelvic floor does because what we end up doing is we push it down and push it down, push it down. And then it all collects down in the bottom of our bodies. Um, so, I, you know, pelvic pain is not un unlike the neck, jaw, tongue pain. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're overly tense here, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just dabbling in this, I'm starting to learn a little bit more about the vagus nerve, but it creates a nervous system response that can leave your body in a fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. So your body doesn't relax into that parasympathetic state mm -hmm. because it's always like ready to go, like ready to act and ready to move, even if there are no perceived threats. So what that does is that it, keep, it, it it's like the chicken or the egg. Like, are you, did you respond to a threat and now you're tight or are you tight because you know, you don't, you're anticipating a threat, mm -hmm. but either way you, you've locked yourself energetically in this place that unless you release it um, either through movement or singing or stretching and, and relaxing, um, you're, you're going to be in a constant state of nervousness that can permeate through the rest of your body. So is anybody else hearing this and thinking it's just like the pelvic floor? Because <laughs> I am, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm, that's, that's my area of expertise is the pelvic floor. And it's the exact, everything you just said, you could have been talking about the pelvic floor and it would have rang true. So let's talk about some specific ways that we can, work with mobilizing and relaxing these muscles. And also, can you share with us, is there a way to help mobilize and potentially relax, exercise, et cetera, the pelvic floor using the vocal cord area as well? Absolutely. Okay. So functionally, um, I think everyone starts from a different place, right? So, um, where I start with some of this stuff is probably a little more advanced, which I think is a has been a hindrance for me in a way. Um, I have a tremendous amount of muscle memory. So when I go to use these muscles, they activate in a way that it's almost too powerful for my body at the moment. So really, really identifying where you are is I think the most important step here because we use our voices all the time and, and, and they're exposed very often to the elements. So even if we have tension here, it could be because we're sick. So we need to be really, we need to honor where our bodies are um, before kind of engaging this stuff. But functionally, it all ties back to breath. So if you are, and, and singing, speaking, all of this is at its heart, it is the body's way of managing um, or the, in order to sing and speak, your body is managing intra-abdominal pressure. Mm -hmm. The vocal cords don't come together without air. Doesn't matter what you're doing. If you don't have air coming up through here in a steady stream, they will not vibrate. You will not have a sound. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So regulating the breath primarily, that's the first step. And I don't mean regulate like in your day-to-day -day life, although that is incredibly helpful, but to really tune in to inhaling for a certain amount of time, pausing at the height of that inhale, and then slowly exhaling on an S or um, a shh. Anything that doesn't vocalize, right? So S, shh. 
Um, those are all sustainable breath sounds that don't engage the vocal cords. So the vocal cords can stay nice and open and happy. But what you're doing is if you can elongate that exhale, now you've breathed in for four beats, let's say, and then you exhale for eight. And then at the immediately, as soon as eight is over, you inhale again for four beats, and then you exhale for 12 on, on that S. Inhale for four, exhale for 16. And, and, and reach your limit and get to a point where you say, wow, I had no idea I could, I could manage my breath so well. And the reason the S is better than just an exhale mm -hmm. is that it is streamlining that air um, into this slow, steady, but consistent stream of air so that you're not exhaling a lot at the beginning and then just letting, letting the rest of it kind of trickle out. You're really managing it. And what that does, and I don't know the functionality of the core with it, except that it, again, it manages that intra-abdominal pressure without a lot of pressure here or on the pelvic floor. And what you're also letting your body do is to let it know to let go of all of the air mm -hmm. and to actually expel it out. So you're not walking around or doing your, your day-to-day things with extra air in your body. Because so often we'll breathe in and we'll think we'll have exhaled everything and then stale air just sits and sits and sits. And we only use this part of our body to breathe and we haven't relaxed into the breath. So I think that that is a, uh, a primary way for, for us to manage or to, to mobilize that pelvic floor with this area. And then as soon as you pair that and you turn that into a z, which is a voiced Z, right? A Z. Mm -hmm. A Z. The Z now engages the folds. Oh. Now in order to make a Z, you've created a pitch. And in order to do that, you're going to use more air. Well, and I feel as I'm doing these because the S and the sh, the s and the sh, both are great ways to gently activate the pelvic floor and the deep, deep abdominal muscles. So that's their classic tools that we use in PT and core fitness land to kind of gently wake up those deep, deep abs and the pelvic floor. They're super connected. So to me, those are ways of kind of, like you said, managing that slow controlled exhale. Right. But then when I do that Z sound, which you just mentioned to do the Z, I felt my pelvic floor activate even more. Like it felt like even more of a lift. Am I feeling that correctly? Yes. Okay. Z I mean, you can feel like, Whoa, that really lifts everything up. Yeah. Okay. And that's, what's making the sound out of my vocal folds. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so the way, and I'll, I'll take a step back and explain how the vocal folds work. Mm -hmm. They work through suction, the air coming through them, sucks them together repeatedly. Mm -hmm. It's called the Bernoulli effect. Brunelli effect. I forget. It was a long time that I learned that term. <laughs> Something. Brunelli. We'll say Brunelli. Brunelli. I mean, I, we can, you can Google it and it's there. But the point is, and you can do it with a couple pieces of paper, but if you blow into between a couple pieces of paper, they start to move together like this. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is it's a bit of a suction and this suction comes up. So if you think of the word suction, you really do think like it's Lift. all coming mm -hmm. together. And mm -hmm. if you think of a balloon 
Um, this is another great way to think about it. Think about your lungs as balloons and then think about, apply it to the entire uh, breathing mechanism. You poke a hole in a very full balloon, say it's full of water, let's do water, but we could also say air, but water you can see. And as you press it, the, the water only comes out in the hole that was created. Mm-hmm. The more you press into it, then the balloon explodes. But if you press into it gently and you lightly create more pressure up here, mm-hmm. that's concentrated, then everything else starts to kind of tighten up around it and pull it up. Um, and that is, that is precisely what you should feel on the pelvic floor. I have, I don't, I don't want to say I've struggled with breathing exercises um, from PT, mm-hmm. but um, they honestly, in some ways made some of my um, symptoms worse because I was using them like a singer and too powerfully. Mm-hmm. And I had to, and some of the work we've been doing in transcend has been so helpful for this and to hold it lightly. Yeah. So that when you're doing the mm-hmm. everything should come up because you're not creating a large sound. You're not adding a lot of color to the sound. Um, you're not even opening up the resonators, right? It's a very focused sound that comes out, which means that it's a very easy, light, um, but consistent strain of air. Mm-hmm. And, and that should exactly like you said, lift, but gently lift everything up, yeah. not like a tighten but a, a gentle lift. Which is honestly what we're going for all the time when we're doing pelvic floor exercises. I always want to caution people against the sensation of feeling like they need to clench and grip when they're doing a Kegel, for example, the Kegel contraction. It should ultimately be a very, a very pretty gentle lift of the pelvic, like a, a squeeze and lift, but nothing like a clench and a super strong fist grip. It's not really like that. So I love this idea of using the Z sound. So then how would you, now I I train folks in the fact that the higher registers can help lift the pelvic floor and the lower registers can help drop and relax the pelvic floor. Is that the case? Nice job. You made it to the end of part one, but there is an amazing part two coming next week. So please come back to catch the rest. We'll pick up exactly where we left off. So next week, we'll pick up right where we talk about this concept of the registers, the high registers kind of activating the pelvic floor and the lower registers relaxing the pelvic floor and so much more. So come on back and do check the show notes if you have any questions or want to learn more. Thank you for listening to the entire show. If you loved this episode, please share it with a friend. Let her know how it helped you and what you learned and why she might like it too. And if you would like a free downloadable video portfolio that includes the inner core energizer routine that's found in my book, Lady Bits, plus the first seven days of my ab camp series, simply leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and then send a screenshot of of your review to me, Brienne, at femfusionfitness.com. Again, that's Brienne at femfusionfitness.com. I will personally get back to you with your free downloadable video portfolio. I will see you next time. And remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit.